0: want to let it die down. Good morning my name's Kurt I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I worked at Cranhill Ranch a number of years ago, 22 years ago now and uh, but the director at that time Scott Barger, he, he talked about retreats um, being a forced we, we were a retreat ministry and he said a retreat is a forced withdrawal from a place of danger um, and I'm emotional today. I don't know, this weird stuff going on in my head and my heart. But um, when I see kids going out and to a place where they're going to encounter God, I'm excited for them because we live in a world that's attacking all of us. And the, and the pace we live at and the things that we, that we do, um, we need to retreat from. Um, I got a similar wake-up call myself about five weeks ago. Wasn't feeling very well, was fatigued, um, scheduled a test, a stress echo. And I knew when they told me, we're gonna get your heart rate up to 140 and we're gonna try to keep it there for about six minutes, I was like, the way I've been feeling, I don't think, I don't think that's gonna work. So I was planning on failing the stress echo, I, I really was. But um, I thought I'd at least get on the treadmill before I failed. Uh, what happened instead was they, they told me, okay, we're going we're gonna to take an a, a ultrasound of your heart and then we're going to get you up on the treadmill and then we're going to take another ultrasound of your heart and we're going to compare those things. Well, they took the ultrasound of my heart and then she added a step that she hadn't said before, which was, okay, now I'm going to go talk to the cardiologist about the results. And I was like, that was the first oh no moment. Um, I kind of knew something was wrong, and I was thinking maybe AFib, and they're going to give me, you know, and everything. And then the cardiologist came back, and he said, your heart is not functioning normally. Uh, you, are, you have heart failure. Those are two words that at 54 I was not really expecting to hear. Um, my ejection fraction was 30, supposed to be 50, uh, 50 to 70 Um, And I know there's people out here who are living below that, that 30, uh, and it's not fun. And they said, so what we want you to do is go directly to the hospital. And I was like, all right, that's, that's serious. Mary Katra, I think I saw, I saw her earlier, uh, I don't know where, where she is, but she happened to be, just happened to be in that doctor's office as I was walking out, head sort of spinning. And uh, she said, Pastor Kurt, did you get any results? And I told her what the results, and then she said, can I pray for you? And I was like, whew, that's good. Um, I called my wife, that was a more hey, uh, I'm going to the hospital, I think you should come too. My BP was 162 over 122. Uh, Not pumping out enough blood. (laughs) My son, Luke, who's, I don't know if he's on camera or projection or someplace today, but he, he, he does not like math, but he, he, does, he did the math. He's like 30 out of 50. He said, Dad, that's a D minus. Your heart is at a D minus. <laughs> but God kind of slowed me down. And uh, I learned that you all care, and I'm thankful for that. I learned stuff doesn't need to get done in the pace that I sometimes think it does or somebody else can step up and do that. It's not what I do, it's who I am. And so God had me slow down. And I slowed down for a good 36 hours. (laughs) And I started feeling better. And so for me, it became how fast can I get back to normal? Actually, what I've been learning is how fast can I get back to stupid? That's what we do in our world. We, we, we think going fast and getting stuff done is, is we, we, it's, but Hebrews talks to us about better things. There's an old way of doing things, the old covenant. We've been talking about that. But what this series is about is that doesn't work. And I want to challenge you today, maybe there's an old way that you've been doing things and uh, there's a different way that God has for us. Um, Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can be your people, that we can come together here this morning and we can stop, we can sit at your feet, we can sing songs of praise, we can hear your word, we can pray, and you can talk to us. Lord, not my words, but your words for these people, for all of us, for me. Lord, uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing to you, O Lord. Amen. So we're in Hebrews, and Hebrews 8. I'm glad I didn't get Hebrews 7. If you were here last week I don't even want to say Melchizedek let, let, let alone talk about who he is and what that meant but I thought Trent did an amazing job um, but Hebrews 8 it's more simple like me so uh, here we go the point of what we're saying is this I was like that we make, just make it really simple the point of what we're saying is this we do have such a high priest like he's been telling about us about throughout the first seven chapters. We have a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven, who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not man. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already men who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is a mediator is superior to the old one. And it is founded on better promises. For if there are Been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear. He says the point of what we're saying is this. Jesus is our great high priest. And this isn't something new to us or something we don't know, but the important thing is don't go back to the ways that you used to do things. Don't fall away. Jesus is better. Trent said these words, you know, the old covenant doesn't work. The sacrificial temple worship system doesn't work. Rules don't change hearts. We have a high priest, not a copy or a shadow, not a pattern. We have a superior high priest. And he says, I will be your God. I will write my laws on your hearts. Jesus always lives to intercede for us. He makes everything right with God. And everything else is temporary. But we go back, we fall away. The people that this chapter was written to originally, they wanted to go back to the familiar system of rules and regulations and things to do and not do. And I think we do that sometimes as well. We have our own sacrificial worship system. We make rules that we have to follow instead of just being with the lord sometimes we prefer the old covenant when i was in college i read a book by kenda dean and uh, she she talked about moralistic therapeutic deism three big words but really moralistic just what what the system of the world that what 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 christians sometimes want to fall back into is just we want to we do things that make it seem like we're good. We, we want to be moral, therapeutic. We, we want to we feel good. And deism is we want just enough of God, just a little bit of God. We, we believe there's a God. We believe he's out there, and he's, but he's put everything into, into motion, and the rest of it is up to us. So moralistic therapeutic deism is sort of what we get into when we say, I'm going to be good. I'm going to go to church. There's things I'm going to do. There's things that we don't do as Christians. Um, and that's what makes us Christians. And what, what, what the writer here says, no, that what makes us Christians is having, having God's laws written on our hearts, knowing that he wants to be our God. And we are his people. The new covenant, I read in a, in a commentary this week, is in essence, it has to do with a relationship with God established by the forgiveness of sins and lived out by the internalization of God's laws. God's laws have been put on our hearts. And the question is, how does that happen? I was talking with Jeff this morning. And he talked about a habit that they have of turning on music in the morning and that a simple song came on this morning that was John three sixteen, And it just set their whole day going in, a, in, a, in an amazing way. And we have to have practices in our lives where we stop from the busyness of life and we allow God to speak to us. The God of the world, the God of, what did Trent say last week, Most high God wants to talk with you. He wants to share with you the way that things work best. Not the old covenant where we made more and more rules. How's that working out? Do you feel like God is transforming your life through the system that you're that you're working in right now? Are our lives transformed? Trent mentioned, you know, if there was a trial and you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Does the world see something different in us? I keep asking myself, and how I drive, and how I watch sports, and how I post on Facebook, or how I talk about others, Have I been transformed by my relationship with God? And the only way that happens is when I pause and I allow God to speak into every moment of my life. The NIV commentary that I read this week said these words, we must hold our doctrinal convictions with an uncompromising commitment to a holistic biblical morality. Our proclamation of the gospel will never be heard apart from lives and communities that reflect a resolute involvement in authentic moral living. Not just words, but a a way of being different. When I look out, I see people I know. When when you're out in the world, I see how you behave, and you're you're different. You, 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 You carry the love of God with you. But I know there are also times when what we post or how we treat someone or the way we act is not that. And how do we, so how do we interact with God? How does this covenant become put on our hearts? Because when non-Christians witness anger and greed and hatred and prejudice and dissension and lack of integrity and insensitivity, unconcern for the disadvantaged, and other such attitudes who wear the label Christian, our claim that the laws of God have been written on our hearts and minds doesn't ring true. A truly transformed life, on the other hand, can be a powerful witness to the veracity of the Christian message. So the main point is this this has been God's plan all along to put God's laws in our hearts and then to talk to us and remind us and draw us by His Spirit into living a life of faith. But we tend to want to focus on the external. God focuses on the internal. So this morning, what about your heart? If Christianity becomes defined as conformity to certain external actions, we get away from the internal reality of being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, God says in Jeremiah, and then here again in Hebrews, I will put my law on your hearts. When I was a kid, I went to Camp Geneva, and then Cran Hill, and then all kinds of retreats like our youth are going on. And I asked Jesus into my heart pretty much every time. And and at one point in my life, I thought, I thought that was a bad thing. You know, I should have just asked him that one time, and then he was there. He was in my heart, right? But I've come to realize, no, really, every day needs to become a process of asking Jesus to come into my heart today. Because when we do, he offers the better things that we're talking about in the book of Hebrews. When his words are on our heart, it's a better way of living. How do we get that? If I could offer you the secret to a better life, would you want to know about it? As I read this week, I read a lot about covenant. This idea that God made a covenant with us. And it was the better covenant. And the covenant was just simply, I will be your God you will be my people. In a covenant, you take an oath. You say things like, as God is my witness. I read a little bit, you know, in the, in, as, as this idea of covenant, it's a serious business. When I was young, we, you know, people talked about being blood brothers, you know, you, you cut your hand and shake, and, you know, that's kind of gross, I think, but uh, I would never have done that as a kid, but... You know, there's something serious when you, when you say, I vow to do this. You see, Jesus shed his blood for us. He has carried out his part of the covenant. And the only thing he asks in return is, be mine, be mine. And in our world today, it seems like people break their word without much thought. People break vows with very little thought. And on a daily basis, we break the covenant without much thought. Have you made a covenant with the God of the universe? Is that covenant on your heart? And will you renew that covenant daily? God chose us. The God of of all creation chose us I was reading about covenant when the conditions are agreed each party makes a declaration committing both itself and the other and they accept it have you made that declaration god has said what he desires of us he wants to establish a relationship with us how do we do that i've been reading a book by john mark comer it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. First part of the book he goes through and he, he outlines the pace we're living at in our world. And I've heard retired people say, I'm busier now than I was when I was working. We're chasing stuff. Now, maybe we're having fun with it. Maybe it's enjoyable. But I know for me, I think part of why I ended up in the hospital is just going way too fast. Run, work, spend, rush. John Mark Comer talks about Sabbath as a solution to hurry. God made a day for connecting with him and building our relationship with him. Now, when I was growing up, we ruined the way that we did that by making all kinds of rules. When I was a kid, we, we, we could wade but not swim on the Sabbath. I don't know what that has to do with experiencing God. You know, we certainly couldn't go out to eat. Now we can. Um, but we created all these rules to make Sabbath about something. But I don't know if then were we connecting with God on that Sabbath I know I wasn't as a kid. I was thinking about, why can't I go swimming? But now, have we, we've gotten rid of all the rules, but have we made Sabbath, have we made our Sunday just another day? Are you, are you taking time to stop and listen to the voice of God? Sabbath was made for man. But to do what? To rest, to stop. The word Sabbath means literally stop. And it also means enjoy. We need to stop and enjoy God. Look around. Having a Sabbath can change our relationships. If you ask me, how am I doing? I could, I could answer in a couple ways. You know, I have a heart condition now. I'm overweight a little bit. I'm getting older. I have three teens. No, one's 20 now. They're sometimes frustrating. I have a wife who I often frustrate. Um, I have a job that's sometimes frustrating. I I could tell you about the problems in my life. But if I pause and I breathe and I rest and I have Sabbath, And I start with, I have a Father in heaven who loves me and gave himself up for me and wants to be with me. Then I think about it. I'm pretty healthy, and I have a really good life. I have three great kids who make me really proud. I have a beautiful wife who I don't want to frustrate. I get to work at a great church with great people. I am super blessed just taking some time to pause, maybe hear a a little song in the morning just to rest. I spent some time in in a hammock this week uh, listening for God, and it changes your whole experience. The difference in the two ways I can explain my day are just the voice of my Father in heaven. So I'd like to challenge you to think about How do you Sabbath? St. August, St. Augustine, St. Augustine, I don't know, I don't know, you can say it either way, I guess. St. Augustine said, you, God, have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Dallas Willard said, we were made by God, made for God, made to need God, and made to run on God. We can be satisfied only by the one who is infinite, eternal, and able to supply all our needs. We're only at home in God. When we fall away from God, the desire for the infinite remains, but it's displaced upon things that will certainly lead to destruction. We have a desire for the infinite, but that has to be God, not all the other things that we end up placing our desires on. When our desires get on the wrong things, then we see the things that we see in our world today, angst, anger, anxiety, disillusionment, depression, and on and on. Those things come from a life of seeking after more instead of seeking after God. John Mark Comer said, that attitude is made worse by our culture built around the twin gods of accumulation, and accomplishment. And then we add in social media that makes it worse, creates greed for what someone else has in their life, and a loss of gratitude, joy, and contentment in our own. So is there a practice from the life and teaching of Jesus that speaks to this? You look through the Gospels every time things got busy for Jesus, He would stop. He would say, early in the morning while it was still dark, he got up and went to a quiet place and prayed. The crowd was all around him, so he withdrew up into the mountains and found a place to connect with his Father. It's not just a day of the week. It's a a way of living, connecting with your Heavenly Father, all week long. Walter Bruggeman said, people who keep the Sabbath live all seven days differently. So do we Sabbath? We're here on Sunday, so that's part of it. We're worshiping. Hopefully we're enjoying God here. We're enjoying his people. But in the rest of your day, what are you going to do to stop and rest and connect with the God of the universe? I'm the chief of sinners when it comes to not being very good at Sabbath. I work on Sundays. Part of my Sunday is worship, so that's a bonus. But sometimes, so Friday for me becomes my Sabbath. But really it becomes my day off instead of my Sabbath. Sometimes I work, I go to the hospital, make a call, but mostly I just catch up on other work, laundry, Cleaning, mowing, clean the pool, getting groceries. Not bad things. They're very helpful in our world. Uh, But it's not Sabbath. A.J. Swoboda said, It's not as though we do not love God. We love God deeply. We just don't know how to sit with God anymore. I want to challenge you to sit with God today. There was a study that showed there's very little difference in productivity between people who work 55 hours a week and 70 hours a week. And there was another study that showed that people who Sabbath live about 10 years average longer than people who don't. If we fight Sabbath, we fight God. Stop and enjoy. Life is tiring. My, my heart, I believe my heart got tired. And God tried to give me a gift. And I said, I got to get back to work. I want to live differently. God exampled the Sabbath for us. He worked for six days, and on the seventh day, the God of the universe rested. Then he commanded Sabbath for us. John Mark... Mark Comer said, commanding Sabbath is like commanding ice cream. Something to be enjoyed. So maybe get some ice cream today and spend some time with God. He wants to be our God, and he wants us to be his people. Remember the Sabbath. That's how we can be God's people. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you showed us how to Sabbath at creation. You showed us how to Sabbath when you walked the earth. And you've let us know that when we do that, that's how we end up in relationship with you. We know the rules. We know what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do. But Lord, when we're not connected to you, we we can't do those things. The reason we needed a new priest was we needed a Savior that would come and be with us and then send his Spirit so that every day we can Sabbath with you. Lord, give us this day to be with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.